2: Is Arsecast Extra? Hello and welcome to another Arsecast Extra. As always, with James from Gunner Blog. James, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Mm. Is that what we're going for? Yeah, good. Yeah, it's a good morning. Yeah, you know, it's I just, guess just, a, just a, gr- a greeting, really. I mean, it's not reflective of anything that happened on the pitch or off the pitch or around the pitch or near the pitch. Just good morning, because that's what you say.
1: That's very kind of you. It is a good morning. I mean, I've been out already. It looks quite bright and cheery oh yeah Uh, not here not here
2: it's uh we've got we've got the arse end of a hurricane coming in uh, across the country over the the next day or two hurricane lorenzo apparently
1: lorenzo's arse yes soon to be hitting
2: yeah lorenzo's
1: arse is pissing down all over us here which is a beautiful image yeah it really is evocative uh well good luck with that good luck with the hurricane thank you Thank you. (laughs) Uh,
2: I think, you know, uh, the hurricane might be a bit more interesting than the football Arsenal play at this moment in time, but I'm sure Mm -hmm. that's something we can uh, discuss over the coming
1: however long it takes us to get through this. Um, Well, in the game, they didn't have a shot. No one had a shot, I think, for 29 minutes. So maybe we just don't talk about the football for 29 minutes. Um, Seems reasonable. reasonable.
2: Well, yeah. Or you might suggest that, you know, we, we would be doing uh, doing the listeners a disservice by aping the, <laughs> the, yeah. the 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 terrible, dreadful game that last night. It was a really bad game, wasn't it? It was Arsenal or Manchester United against Arsenal at Old Trafford. And I know, you know, these two teams aren't what they used to be and everything else, mm. but
1: like, God, it Are was they not? No one bad. mentioned that. Really? Um, yeah. <laughs>
2: I thought that was a piece of uh, searing insight from me right there.
1: Yeah, they they, yeah, they yeah, are two quite bad teams, especially right now. I mean, yeah, it was kind of uh, depressing to see, you know, it laid out quite how bad they are. And to be honest, I think we sort of should have known that going in. I mean, even when the starting 11s came out, you text me saying, you know, looking at United side, I reckon we should definitely beat them. And I sort of said, well, I think United fans will feel the same way. They're just not a great set of 11s, to Yeah, honest.
2: that's true. And I think what I said was, if we can't beat this United team, um, and what I probably should have said was, if we lose to this United team, uh, it would yeah. have been a... It would have been a better way to put it. But, you know, you looked at their starting eleven. you looked at the fact that they've won just four times in 15 games, and you're thinking, well, you know, surely this is a moment. This is a moment for Arsenal and for Unai Emery to have a go. And it doesn't mean you've got to be, like, gung-ho, and you you throw caution to the wind, and you don't pay any attention to the defensive side of your game. But, like, there's just such a lack of endeavour in the way that we... Play football these days that we just didn't take any advantage of the fact that this is a, a really poor Manchester United side, a poor squad, poorly managed, missing some players as well. You know, they they just don't look anything like the United um, that we've all feared down the years. And I said on the blog today, it kind of reminded me of when. When David Moyes was in charge, and I think they had a better team and a better squad when Moyes was in charge, but we could all recognise that Moyes was kind of out of his depth at United, and we couldn't beat them then either. Um, and this, yeah, it just, to me, felt a bit like a missed opportunity, even if, I guess my, it's a weird thing, my expectations are really low about what this Arsenal ke- team can do, but I'm also disappointed that we can't do what I would like us to do. Does that make sense?
1: Kind of, yeah. But then sort of what I find myself thinking is like, how could that have happened? Like, you know, like when yeah. you're like, we didn't turn up and I don't know why we just didn't turn up and beat them 3-0. And it's like, well, because we can't. We're not that's, good. Yeah, that's what we do. Um, I mean, I think you're right. It was a missed opportunity. There was a moment in the game that for me summed it up, which I don't know if you remember. It was in the first half. David Louise was lining up a free kick 30 yards out. And it's, you know... The commentators were talking up it's slippery turf, definitely worth having a go from here. Uh, and instead of having a go, Granite jacker chipped the ball yeah. thirty yards towards Callum Chambers, and it just sort of came to nothing. Yeah. And I was like, "That is this game, you know? If we'd taken the shot on, you never know what we might have got. But instead, we went for something a bit obtuse and a bit bizarre that." we didn't really pull off.
2: Yeah, and Chambers wasn't expecting it either, was he? Because he was saying afterwards, like, I thought you were going to shoot.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think he was pretty pissed off, actually, looking at the close-ups of him talking to Granite Shaka. But yeah, that really summed up the match for me. I mean, I I think a draw is the most frustrating result in football. Because at least with a defeat, you get catharsis and you can sort of get really angry about it. Mm. But... A draw. It's just like <laughs> you know what I mean. It's just meh.
2: Yeah, and look at you know, I, I know our record at Old Trafford is terrible. We've mm. we've taken four points from our last whatever it is, um, it's twelve games there. So that's four points from whatever thirty six, and we got another point last night. And you know, there's a part of your brain that goes, yeah, we're so bad there that can we really really complain? about a point at a ground where we very rarely win we haven't won since 2006 and you kind of think if there's if I don't even know how to express it to be honest I'm coming back to this weird dichotomy that I have of being aware that we're just not good at football at this moment in time but at the same time badly wanting us to to at least try And win a game of football, because I think Unai Emery will have gone home last night and been quite pleased with the way that it all panned out. Like, I think in his little book that he's got, and I'm sure he's got his notes and stuff, what what do we want from Old Trafford? A, we don't want to lose. So if we get a draw, that's all right. You know, he'll be going, well, okay. You know, nobody really expected us to win. We've got a draw. It's a point away from home, and on one of the bi- one of the big teams, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And on mm. paper, you can look at that result, and in in isolation, I guess you would say, you know, a point at Old Trafford, generally speaking, is is fine an acceptable kind of result. But I think in the circumstances, and in in terms of what it would have meant for for the manager and for his team to to take three points, it would have restored a bit of faith, a bit of confidence. Um, you know, watching us go and and try and win a game would have been interesting and exciting and at least something to get on board with. But you could see that we weren't really trying to win it. I know we had that sack of chance.
1: Um, uh, No, no, they definitely were happy to take a draw, I think, in the last 20 minutes. It looked that way to me, you know, certainly the substitutions that we made. um, And just the the way we were playing the game out, you know, I think that was pretty clear in the last 15 to 20 minutes. Mm. Um, But yeah, I I can't help but feel like, uh, uh, and I'm speaking very general terms about the fan base and it's, you know, obviously it's only based on the interactions I have. But there is this sort of mad thing of like really setting ourselves up for disappointment by expecting something that isn't really realistic right now. You know, like, I feel like going into this game, people are like, well, what we need to do, what would really make me happy is if we turn up and we attack them with confidence and we win convincingly. But that isn't how it works. Like, when you're playing as badly as we play, there's not going to be a day where it's like, oh, and today we were just suddenly magically good. It's going to take a long time to rebuild that.
2: Okay, cool. I I completely take that. I see what you're saying. But is it going to take a long time because this is a manager who fundamentally isn't capable of playing football in that way? Mm. I mean, is it just going to take... It, could, it might be, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, that's that, that's my, my fear deep down is that what we want us to be and what Unai Emery can make us be are two very disparate things.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. But I also think this isn't where we are right now in the sort of range of what Unai Emery can make us, we are not high in that range. Um, And as much as I would have loved to win the game yesterday, you know, I think when you look at our form and how badly we've been playing, uh, I can see that the the confidence just wasn't there in Mm -hmm. the team to push on and win this match. And And also I think it's kind of, it would be really weird if it was, given how badly they've been playing. Like, I don't know how that would happen. Apart from Magic, I don't know how that would have happened.
2: Where are they going to get that confidence from if they're continually played in a way which doesn't allow you to build attacking momentum and and, um, and what have you? Like, I don't understand where it's going to come from.
1: It's well, got it to might come from-, from some positive results. I mean, results do an enormous amount, I think. Um and, you know, if we if we kept some clean sheets and won some games, you know, securely, rather than this constant chaos that we've been in for our entire Premier League campaign, mm. then that, I think, would breed something like confidence. Um, yeah, you know, I think we have seen teams under Anaya Emery play with more confidence than this team has right now. I'm not saying we've seen teams play the sort of bravura football of Arsene Wenger, but, you know we are where we are to an extent
2: yeah yeah i mean yeah but how how do we rationalize where we are with what we're seeing on the pitch from from these players you know i don't know i'm i'm just very perturbed by by what we're seeing by what we're doing and what we're not doing and this idea that that somehow it's just gonna get better like
1: but the, that's not the, the, my the, idea
2: uh, no 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 like, i'm not saying that's your idea but this this sort of um where we always seem to be clinging to something else like if we just got a winger that would make us better from an attacking point of view, we really need a winger. So we went and we got Europe's hottest winger from last season and brought him in for £72 million. It hasn't made us any better. You know, what if we got an experienced um, centre-half in and David Luiz Is that hasn't really made us any better? What if, you know, if we tried to address the issues that have been underlying in our midfield for years and years and years by bringing in somebody... Who's actually a defensive-minded midfield player? We did that with Lucas Torreira, and Emery doesn't play him there, and it hasn't made us better. And the next thing, the next thing is like, what if we just had two good fullbacks Mm. in Kieran Tierney and Hector Bellerin, which I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to very much to see those two guys in the team. But is that? Are they the 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 magic ingredients that's going to knit everything together. I'm not sure that that's the case. So no, it's just like so. what 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 will be the next thing when Bellerin and Tierney come back in and we're still playing this kind of mundane, joyless systemless incomprehensible football that Emery is, is, is producing week in, week out. I mean the only consistent thing is how kind of
1: average it all is isn't isn't what you're describing though just the arsenal fan culture that thing of oh we're just one player away I you know like- we did that for we've done that for 20 years you know looked at it and gone like oh if we could only get a holding midfielder if we could only get a centre-half you know constantly looking to external things thinking it's that it's that it's just that one thing that we need that's just what fans do, don't they, isn't
2: it? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to put it on the fans. That's not where I'm I'm going with this. But, like, I think there were times where we were just, like, a couple of players away. And then we never got those players. We didn't get them. And then it became clear that the issues weren't just the players or the couple of players that we needed. But, you know, they were, they were um, deeper issues than that. And ultimately, it cost Arsene Wenger his job.
1: So... I think a lot of it's about, I mean, this is, I think a lot of it's about story. I mean, I think basically a, a big swathe of their fa- of the fan base have made their minds up on Emery. And so what happens now is we sort of go into a game and there's this kind of mad faux outrage about things that we already know. Like, I can't believe it. He doesn't like picking Meza Ozil the sky is blue again. Yeah, yeah Good yeah, yeah. Lord, what is this? And, you know, and, like, again, with the, the thing of, like, we don't have a discernible style of play, like, I understand it's frustrating, but, again, this is... People who react like, this is brand new information! I can't believe it! No, but you is, know, is it not
2: just, like, there comes a point where you go, I can't fucking... Like,
1: it becomes just too much. Well, it, it, what happens is that the glass becomes half full and everything becomes... Or half uh, empty, you mean? Sorry, yes, yeah, sorry. That is exactly what I mean. So, just under half full. Let's put it like that. So, everything becomes confirmation of of the negative, and I just think that that's the place that we're sort of in now as a fan base, and it means that every match is like, oh, look what we did wrong this time. Um, and I and I understand it. Like I don't. None of this is to say Unai Emery is a genius and he's going to save Arsenal. It's just. I do sort of find it interesting how how angry it's making people. Yeah, yeah. Look, I can. I think that I think we like doing that. If I'm honest, but I, okay. I think people like doing that.
2: Sure, it's easier to complain than it is to be constructive in criticism and all that kind of stuff. Or it's easier to you know give out about the one thing and ignore all the many positive things. I just don't see the positive things. I don't Mm. see too much in the way of positives. Like I've said this to you and I've said it on the podcast before that if I could see something that I could cling to um, that would give me hope, that would allow me to say I can see what Emery is trying to do here and he deserves more time to do it, then I think it would be it would be easier for people. But nobody has any fucking clue what he's trying to do. Nobody has any idea what he wants this team to be beyond a kind of manifestation of his own arch conservatism, which doesn't allow him to, to get the best out of some of the players that he has. That's my thing. I just, I just think at the very, very heart of it, this cautiousness with which he, A, approaches games and B, in, with which he manages games... You know, I felt almost like the Torreira thing. Yeah, so he picked Torreira, and he couldn't wait to take him off, really. And when we took Torreira off, United were um, they had more chances.
1: I mean, see again. I think Torreira is an, an instance where I, I think a sort of a slight myth is emerging about Torreira for me, which is that he has ever been this brilliant. Holding midfield player for us, I'm not sure that's ever been true.
2: Okay, but are we? Is that not something of a a straw man in the sense that I don't see too many people saying that he he is this uh <clears throat> or has been this this incredible defensive midfielder for us. But what we could see last season was a player who, when deployed in that position, brought something different to the team. And I think we all said it, that he has brought qualities to the midfield that we need. Now he's being put in a position where he's asked to basically be a support striker. Aubameyang crossing for Torreira. Like, what the fuck is that about? And uh, uh, complicit in all of that is the fact that we have this guy as our defensive midfielder, who just doesn't convince anybody that that's his best position either in in granite shaka?
1: Yeah, so- I mean, I, I agree with that. I would, I would, I probably wouldn't pick shaka, and I probably would pick Torreira there. But I'm just trying to say that you know it's that classic thing of when a player doesn't play, their their ability dramatically goes up, and mm. I I just feel like around that player particularly, you know, because we we will him to be something. I'm not necessarily convinced that he is. Well, he, I, I'm not yeah. yeah, I'm not sure that he is quite the player that we, you know, imagine. Maybe not. Maybe not. But, you know, I think... Um... For example, like I find it interesting, like with Granit Xhaka, people say, oh, he's not a Premier League player. He'd be good in Serie A. And then I look at Torreira and I'm like, well, where has he played as a defensive midfielder? And the answer is A. Mm. and I feel like some of the issues they have might be equitable.
2: Maybe, but you know, we don't we don't have the um, what do we what's the way I want to put this? Like the body of evidence, if you like, that we have with Jacka um, when it comes to Torreira, because more and more he's becoming a bit part player under Emery and not being played in the position where he played his best football last season for me. That's mm. that's where we are with that, and you know, midfield remains a a, a problem for us because um, you know, as we've said lots of times, we, we we find it hard to control games, and you know, the the old cliche about how that's the engine room uh, is is apt in this in this sense because um, our engine is a bit bockety and all over the place. Um, let's talk about the United goal um, at the end of a very turgid first half and we have a corner our corners and set pieces were really poor all night um, they broke probably should have scored on the break itself and then the ball came mm-hmm. for for Scott McTominay you know um, yeah uh, I have an issue with Socrates on this goal far more than I have an issue with Granite Xhaka um, I, I think the you know without wanting to um defend Xhaka too much. I think he's got his problems and and uh, we've, we've been over those time and time again. I genuinely think he's trying to head the ball away and it takes a deflection and it whizzes past him and it's only five or six yards away from him anyway. So I'm not quite sure uh, what what reflexes people expect any any human being to have in, in those circumstances. So I don't really have an issue so much with Xhaka as I do with Socrates, who I thought tried to make himself small and ultimately contributed to, to the ball hitting the back of the net.
1: Yeah, I've got no issue with Shaka at all. I saw a crazy thing on Twitter this morning. A guy tweeted me saying, how could he not have anticipated the deflection? <laughs> I was what? like, uh, I don't... I mean, because he's not Superman? Uh, yeah, I, look, he's he's trying to get a block on it. It takes a nick away from his head. He almost gets on it anyway, Um Again, I think that's a great example of sort of confirmation bias and people seeing what they want to see. He doesn't do anything wrong there at all. Socrates, maybe, but even then, I'm like, he does attempt to get in the way of it and it's a hell of a hit. I mean, it's got that horrible Neil Mellor feeling to it of a Ugh. player who I don't think of as massively gifted hitting the sort of strike of a lifetime. But the issue with the goal, actually, is everything that came before it. You know, every time we had a corner, I felt United might score. Um and if you're going to take issue with Shaka, I think look at the way he was sort of trailing the runners from midfield. You know when they broke. I mean, he tried desperately to foul somebody. He did um, foul someone. He definitely yeah.
2: fouled someone. He just pulled, he them pulled down. someone
1: down. Yeah, and absolutely got away with it. Um, and actually, like by the time he got back into the penalty box, he was knackered. So he was quite slow, sort of getting out to stuff. But yeah, I don't think there was any cowardice or attempt to hide from the ball for Shaka. I thought he, I actually thought he had. Uh, a really difficult night for mm. lots of reasons, but I don't think that was one.
2: Could United have had a penalty early in the second half? Handball, shout for Absolutely, Kolasinac. yeah. We, think, we've, yeah. we've got away with two blindingly obvious ones in the last couple of games, haven't we? The Socrates two one league games. and Kolasinac. I think both of those are penalties. I don't understand why VAR hasn't given them.
1: I don't understand either. I mean, Jamie Carragher said in the Sky studio last night he feels like VAR is basically used for offsides, and thank goodness it is for reasons we'll come on to, but mm. that he hasn't, he doesn't really recall it overturning or pointing out anything much else. Um, and I, I'd be interested to sort of look further into that and see if that's the case. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy we got away with that one from Colasinage. Yeah. Um, and listen, I know... What you're saying about the fullbacks, I don't think anyone realistically expects them to transform the team. But Kier and Tierney coming in for say, Klasnach will feel like a hell of an upgrade, I think, because yeah, he he is not in good form. Let's put it like that. No, I mean he's not alone there
2: in this team. It would be fair to say. Um, but yeah, look, you could see how Tierney would bring us something something different, and I think one of the uh, we're going to come to some of the positives on the night and Saka, uh, Bukayo Saka is definitely one of them. Uh, he won more tackles than any other Arsenal player last mm. night. So that shows you the level of protection and discipline that he played on that left-hand side with he really gave some protection to Kalasinac because, well, frankly,
1: he needs it. Um, right. I mean, yeah, sorry, no, just, Go uh, the, he, he's good defensively, Saka. He's played at left-back, at left-wing-back, albeit in an attacking fashion. And I think, you know, this isn't really a compliment right now, but I think that makes him a very Unai Emery player. He's someone who really does go both directions. He's got a bit of uh, Mm. defensive-mindedness to his game. But yeah, very good going forward as well.
2: Um, Okay, so then we score a goal. Uh,
1: Capitalise on a Manchester United mistake. Mm -hmm. Um, It's how all our goals come this season, for the most part. They're all in transition. So, depending on how you read it, either. Is that true? Pretty much. A lot of them are. uh, uh, You know, it's often a concession. You know, think of Maitland Niles on the opening day, seeing it from Newcastle. Apart from the Cup games, a lot of our goals have been like that. Now, either that's because we don't create other chances, uh, which I think there's a lot of merit in that argument. Mm. Um, Alternatively, I think Tim Stillman wrote a piece about how. Uno Emery might be trying to sort of transform Arsenal into a sort of, you know, transition team. I think, you know, that might be the case. To me, it just speaks to a team who don't really dominate possession. Um, But anyway. Yeah, we don't dominate possession. Poor giveaway by the United left back
2: and very clever pass and a timely pass from Saka. Mm -hmm. Aubameyang clearly onside um, I don't know how on earth the the official put his flag up for that one because it was such an egregious error. It's like putting your flag up when a guy is two yards offside or not putting your flag up when a guy is two yards offside. It was that clear cut.
1: If you can't see Harry Maguire, who
2: can you see? I mean, he's enormous. He's the just- man's
1: forehead alone.
2: Ridiculous. Ridiculous. And, of course, VAR overturned it. Interesting to hear Aubameyang talk afterwards about, yeah, it was good to score, but the, the, the check took away some of the feeling from the goal. I mean, it didn't sound like it took away some of the feeling when you, know, when you heard the Arsenal fans celebrate um, when, when the referee pointed to the centre circle. But it is a weird thing, isn't it? It is a weird thing because instantly we could all see that this was a goal and there
1: was no way it should have even gone to. To a video check. Um... Yeah, I mean, what blows my mind is five minutes later, there was one where I think Saka again put Aubameyang in, or he certainly went through on goal, and then the flag went up and the referee blew his whistle. He was about 25, 30 yards out, um, but he was in behind and the referee blew his whistle. And I thought, what if he'd blown his whistle when the flag went up, when he went through for the goal? Mm. I mean... As far as I'm aware, the system referees are under instruction to sort of, if there's doubt, wait and let VAR make the decision. Yeah. So, yeah, a a really poor piece of officiating. And actually, the game was terribly officiated, I thought, sort of for for both teams. Um, Early on, I was like, you know, United are getting all the luck here. They've got away with a few bookings. But we got away with a few bookings too. They missed a clear penalty. The goal was overturned. I thought the refereeing... Was really bad.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. He didn't have a good. He didn't have a good night. I think, uh, you know, when he when he went to have a word with Saka, who was clearly um, pulled back by Ashley Young, and, and he took exception to it, um, and the referee sort of having words with Saka mm-hmm. for complaining. It's like, come on! Um, and I thought there were a few tackles that could have been penalised a lot quicker. Um, there was one. I think the Arsenal players made a point of it when it could have been Saka who was. Uh, going through midfield, and Chambers obviously picked up a very early yellow card, obvious foul, no no issue with the yellow card itself. But when a a similarly blatant foul was made by a United player um, a few minutes later there, there was nothing given but I, you know, I don't want to talk about officiating really because it's a bit of a a bit of a red herring and doesn't really do us any um, service mm-hmm. when it comes to talking about this game now we had a really good chance just after the goal to make it 2-1 uh, I think Saka was unlucky a bit to be honest he was on his um, was on his wrong foot he got it on target, um, but it took a deflection off the defender and, and skipped over the bar. I mean, it might well have changed the dynamic of the game um, had we gone 2-1 up. And the momentum certainly would have been with us and United would have had to come chasing. Um, but look, that, that didn't happen. We then um, had Sabayas on for Torreira and United... United had some real chances. Pogba just wide. Um, McTominay had a header from inside.
1: Incredible chance.
2: What a miss. Mm. What a miss. Um, And uh, there was another one as well, wasn't there? Harry Maguire with a great shot.
1: Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because our defensive record from set pieces isn't bad over the past 15 months or so, but we really did look. Uh, stretched, I felt, every time they had a corner or a free kick. Mm. I mean, there was one, wasn't there, where Gendouzi was left marking Maguire at the back post, and it's just such a mismatch. Yeah, uh, I mean, I know Maguire's good in the air, I know he's a threat, but we really didn't deal with it uh, very well on the night.
2: So, you know, having gone 1-1 at a, uh, with half an hour to play, um, were you in any way surprised by our lack of ambition maybe is the wrong word but you know the, there didn't seem to be after the Saka chance we didn't really we didn't really do anything to trouble united a couple of couple of bits um laid on but
1: yeah i, I think a lot of it well the subs introduction felt necessary because you know we didn't really have that connection between midfield and attack which is an increasingly common problem with this team um but i do wonder if you know maybe Torreira was the wrong player to remove. I know a lot of people would have pointed to Shaka because it, it was interesting as soon as we brought Sebas on, actually United were getting at our back four yeah. much more regularly. Uh, and that, I think, sort of informed the final 20 minutes. It was almost like having brought Sabahis on, we had to rebalance and that led to the introduction of, you know, Nelson, of Willock. Uh, and by the end, you know, it was sort of a four- Four five one. I really think we were just seeing it out I mean there was a little we had that late late free kick didn't we in stoppage time but I think another issue with the game was quite how bad our set piece delivery was throughout oh
2: god yeah really bad mm. consistently throughout the the corners the set pieces I mean I thought they were supposed to be working on stuff like that on the training ground whoever's in charge of set pieces needs a good root in the hole to be
1: honest yeah, I mean, there were sort of those t- quite bad ones from Reese Nelson that almost turned out all right because he f- he found Granite Shacker at the near post like twice in yeah. uh, 30 seconds. But, you know, he's not sure the guy he'd want it falling to in that situation. Yeah. I'm just having a look now seeing um, how, if, seeing if I can find out how many c- corners we actually had. I can't bring it up right in front of me, but it was a lot. It was enough. Mm. And we didn't really provide much of a threat from no. any of them. No. Uh, seven corners in the game we had, so yeah, I don't think too many of them were too dangerous. Mm. Is that your washing machine on spin cycle in the background? It's a uh, cement mixer.
2: Oh, out the window?
1: Bloody. No, no, in the kitchen. No, yeah, out the window. <laughs> uh, Just yeah. mixing up some cement for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Going to have a lovely I've run out of porridge. Cement omelette. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's a big old cement mixer out there. I don't think it's going anywhere in a hurry, I'm afraid.
2: Okay, not to worry, not to worry. Oh, angle grinders as well, that's just what we need. Oh no, that's a <laughs> motorbike. Um, so look, uh, before we sort of do a, a recap of you know the the overall game itself, a couple of the positives. I thought Matteo Guendouzi was really good, um, doing his best to, to make something happen. Um, I thought defensively he was very, very good, very switched on um won a lot of free kicks in kind of important areas for us by by just being there and and reading the game and getting his body in the way and and what have you so i thought yeah. that was good um Aubameyang, of course his finish was was fantastic mm-hmm. um saka uh, you know, he he's 18. He's got a lot to learn, but you can see the raw ingredients are really there. And I think Chambers and and Leno deserve some props as well on the night. Yeah. Chambers, in particular, you know, I have the the 10 minute yellow card thing. I was thinking, oh my god, this could be like you know Jefferson Montero reaming him a right back that's what i was thinking and you know to his credit he didn't let himself get exposed um maybe he was protected uh, as well but i thought he dealt with that yellow card pretty well
1: yeah he dealt with it really well he managed the game very smartly you know stepped off his man when he had to um i think you know he deserved that place in the team he's been excellent in his games in the cups and you know, I think he was pretty assured last night in a position we know he's not very comfortable in. Uh, who else did you pick out? Leno, look, good save from the free kick at the end. That was a slightly nerve mm. wracking moment. Um, Saka, I think, just has something, doesn't he? You just, yeah. You can tell straight away. And it's sort of been obvious almost as soon as you see him play even a minute of a game that he's able to affect matches at this level already. And that's a really positive thing. You know, he had that break where he went through, had his shot saved, it was a brilliant pass off his weak foot for the goal. I like him a lot. I think he's gonna get a lot of first team football this season. Yeah. Um Anabomiang, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. About, oh, Ganduzy, yeah. I mean look, Ganduzzi has his inconsistencies in his game, and I think I think there are some people who feel like the hype train is a, a bit much for Ganduzi, you know, he still makes mistakes, but I think what you have to do is look at him and think, well, what is consistent in his game? And I do think the The energy the commitment is pretty consistent, and I think you can you can praise him for that and hope he irons some of the other stuff out mm. because the character that he has is fantastic and it's something we don't have loads of within our squad, so the fact we're looking for to it to a nineteen twenty year old for it i think tells you that, but he in the second half was brilliant, he was playing about three positions at once,
2: yeah, yeah, he really does get himself about it. and look you know the, the, there are there are issues with our football that, you know, we can't expect him or any of the young players to solve. I think it goes deeper than that. I think it comes back to how we're being set up and how we're being coached. And that's probably something we'll talk about in the, in the second half of the show when we've got questions about some of the individual players, but I, you know, I just like the character. I like what he tries to do. I don't always think he does it as well as we might like, but he is still mm-hmm. only 20 years of age. Um, and, you know, we're looking at a 20 year old, an 18 year old. Again, I thought Willock when he came on, uh, had a good impact you know defensively he was back uh, doing his job late on when when we needed him to be there um and those are the things that can give us that can give us hope because you know beyond obama yang uh who is doing amazing things i think he scored seven goals in in the first seven premier league games they said uh on tv it's the first time any arsenal player has done that since dennis bergkamp and i can't remember when exactly dennis did that um, Ninety-eight, I think. Or Ninety-eight.
1: Okay. So, yeah, something like
2: that. Well, there you go. I mean, that's a testament to what he's bringing. But the rest of the senior players are not really are not really doing what we would want them to do. You know, Pepe was quiet again. Um, mm. The midfield we've already spoken about. Um, the centre of our defence was fine, I guess, last night. You know, um, but you know, it's a low bar from which they've they've managed some improvement. You know
1: yeah I, I thought Luis was better last night than he has been um i thought he was actually the better of the two center halves uh but it, it is it is a low bar and it was it wasn't a good performance really uh and the weird thing is it sort of didn't have to be either you know i think if if United had played well and we'd battled to a point and had to fight for it and had to play well for it, i think it would feel significantly better than it does but what this game felt like to me was that it was absolutely there for the taking if either team had the the quality or the gumption to do it and just neither did and it sort of it played out and yeah there were chances but you know it it wasn't really a spectacle I don't think
2: No, I mean are maybe expectations a bit high about what we should be able to do against Manchester United, our expectations versus
1: evidence um, in two different places? Well, I think what it is, is that the longer that Unai Emery goes without um, stamping a discernible identity, and not just an identity, an identity that we as fans like on this team, the more desperate we as supporters are to see it in every game. So the stakes on every game ramp up, Mm. um, which is completely understandable, but it means that we go into a game, we've stopped going into games thinking like, I hope we win today. We go into games thinking, I hope we win and I hope the fluid arsenal of my dreams are reborn. And it's crushing because it doesn't happen. I mean, I saw people in the build to this match saying, anything other than a convincing win is a disgrace. Yeah, and, I mean, I I,
2: I don't agree with that, but I also, I sort of think people are looking at a game like this as an opportunity for Emery to provide, to do something about this terrible run we have, you know, away from home against the big teams, which we still haven't done anything about.
1: And that's another example of the longer that goes on, the more kind of polarizing our reactions to those games will be because we, we you know the longer it goes on the more desperately we want it to end mm. I, but i just i mean i, I do think that I, I in the nicest possible way we are a slightly hysterical fan base and i think I, I think you know it's not the worst thing to sort of like just breathe a bit because we are what are we 7 games in Something like that. Mm. We've played United away. We've played Liverpool away. We've played the North London derby. You know, we went to Old Trafford last night where Chelsea got back to 4-0, where Leicester, the darlings of England at the moment, lost. We got a point. We're in the top four. I understand that people aren't happy with the football, but it's not as desperate as it might feel. That's that's my personal perspective. Yeah, I, I see that. I absolutely see that.
2: And it makes all kinds of logical, credible sense when you lay it out exactly like that. But my gut is telling me that there's something really wrong. Do, do you know what I mean? My gut is telling me that there's just something, something, many things that aren't right, that I don't, I don't know, I just don't, Yeah.
1: How are you going to enjoy this season? Because I'm not, I'm
2: not, I'm not yeah. enjoying it. I'm not enjoying the football that we're playing. I'm not enjoying what the manager does. I don't, I don't see anything in the in the football that we play that I identify with as as Arsenal, if that makes sense. And you know, maybe this is uh, remember the Wenger quote about you know when you've had caviar, it's difficult to eat sausage. This is this is concrete porridge,
1: right now. But, uh, yeah, but as a fan, to bring the glass back, I just feel like your glass has got to be half full. Like well, in the I can't, worst- I,
2: yeah, I can't help how I feel though. I can't magic my brain into thinking because we're fourth, and I accept that because we've played three of the big teams, and it's only seven games in. You know, I can't magic my brain into thinking something that my heart or my gut is is telling me is wrong you
0: know what I mean but do
1: you but do you accept that they're not gonna fire Unai Emery tomorrow after we respond we've come back from the Liverpool defeat with three wins and three draws from six games he's not going anywhere tomorrow no 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 I don't think he is going anywhere tomorrow and you know what I
2: think I, I think that he he absolutely um Deserves a chance to play with with Bellerin and Tierney and to see what they can bring to the team. And you look at the run of fixtures that we've got coming up in the Premier League. Um, You know, our, our Premier League opposition for the next little while is, you know, until the 14th of December when we play Manchester City. So we've got Bournemouth, Sheffield United, Crystal Palace, Wolves, Leicester, Southampton, Norwich, Brighton. And West Ham, those are nine games Mm. in which I think Emery has got to produce a run of A, results, and B, performances. If we're not seeing performances by the time we face Manchester City in December, if we're lurching from one kind of scrapped out win to another... Or dropping points against teams we should be we should realistically be beating if we want to be in the top four. We're then going to face City in December. We've got Everton in December. Maybe Everton is not a uh, you know is one of those games that you should be winning given the state they're in. But then you've got Chelsea. You've got Manchester United. Um, you, uh, you've got Chelsea twice actually within a, within within a few weeks. You know, he has to start producing something that we can get on board with in these next nine Premier League games. And at that point, if it's not happening, I think the board have got a decision to make.
1: Well, I agree. I would agree with that. But then I sort of think, well, let's talk. Not, not let's talk. Obviously, we're going to talk next week. But I mean, the tone of the conversation around Emery is going to be... Like, if he doesn't produce it on Sunday... I feel like people are going to be up in arms again. But it's like it is going to take nine games. It is going to take six games. Like if you accept that Unai Emery is not getting a, a, a tune out of this Arsenal team right now, I think, which we all do, I, I'm sure everyone agrees about that. I think it's also, you also have to accept that if he is capable of getting a tune out of them, even if there's only a 5% chance that he's capable of it, it's going to take more time. Like, you know, it, it it won't go from zero to ten overnight. No, but it, it you know, this isn't just this season, though. No, I, I accept that. I accept that. But there are enough reasons. There are enough reasons to think it might have been different. I mean, at the start of this season, a lot of people were like, this might be different. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Because we've got new players, new fullbacks, whatever you want to name, you know. So... I I think it is. I think it is fair to give that a bit more time. I'm not saying it will work, but I'm saying they're n- they're not going to sack him now. And I think if they did, I think there would be question marks over it. To be honest, right now, do you think um, so? Not from the fans, but I think I think. Well, look, when was the last time a manager was sacked after three, three, defea- uh, three draws and three wins from his last six league games? Yeah. I think for his last six matches. I mean, it, it, you know... It, we have one win I, uh, in five in the Premier League. Yes, correct.
2: Correct. That's not good form. Um,
1: it's not good form, but, I mean, the fixtures are a bit of a factor in that. Yes, I, I
2: agree. I agree.
1: I mean, in those five games, you've got three of the top six, two away from home. Mm. Um, So, I don't know. I mean, there is a big part of me that's like, of course I understand, like this team are not playing well. Like, you know, nobody can sit here and make that case. Um, And I, I have already said many times on this show, I don't think that Unai Emery will ultimately succeed in the terms that we want him to, but I'm an optimist
2: <laughs> well okay, so if you say he won't succeed in the terms that we want him to, what are those
1: terms getting us into the top four that's that's where that's who- i mean he i think he probably will do that I don't think that's what people want anymore that's, I don't a, that's, think that's all that's want.
2: all I want for this season oh. I'm, I'm realistic enough to think that a top four finish would be a successful season for the club. I don't club. believe
1: you, though, because we're fourth now. And you're so sad. <laughs> but
2: I, I'm, I'm we're fourth now. But, you know, the way that we're playing makes me think that
1: we probably won't be fourth. Really? Look at the, at the competition, th- though. Look at the competition. I mean, I know it's not a good reason to be fourth or to get in the top four, but... But
2: that feels to me like we're
1: we're 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 looking
2: for or expecting external factors to be the deciding thing in this, rather than rather than. I mean, I I get it. Like I look at United, they're they're bad. Chelsea, kind of um, in, in a strange situation given Lampard's taken over. But you know, Spurs dodgy. I know. I see it all. I see those issues. But I don't feel like we're being coached or set up in a way that will maximise our chances of taking advantage of that.
1: No, I mean, obviously, if we had a, be- if we had a better manager, we'd have a better chance of getting in the top four. No, I, you know, of course. But I think, I think you're kidding yourself, Andrew, that what you want is to be in the top four. I think you want to be in the top four playing nice football that makes you feel arsenally. Okay, that's, that's what you really want.
2: That's kind of what I want. Yeah, but I also think those two things can kind of go hand in hand that I think if you play good attractive football, you increase your chances of winning games and therefore finishing in the top 4. Conversely, mm, yeah, conversely but there,
1: there are plenty of teams who don't play attractive football and win a lot of games. There's, there's plenty of teams out there doing that. Uh it, it, it you know, we like Liverpool, I,
2: like Man City, like even dare I say when you know they're they're on their game, Tottenham to an extent, they play good football.
1: I don't know about Spurs playing. No, football I know football, at honestly. the moment
2: they're in they're in they're
1: in uh, even at their best. I mean, to me, they are they are what a good Emery team would look like. Spurs, and and I don't I don't find it particularly exciting. But I agree with you, of course, about about Liverpool and City. Mm. I, there's more than way one way to skin a cat, is what I'm saying. I just. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that um, it's nothing I've seen makes me think we won't get top four. I have, I have to say that, honestly.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, I I, uh, I could say um, what I saw at Watford makes me doubt very much whether we'll finish in the top four. I would say. Oh. There are things that I have seen that make me very worried about our ability to finish in the top four. I think there are team selections and formation decisions and system decisions that make me very worried about our ability to finish in the top four. I see individual players struggling that make me worry about our ability to finish in the top four. I see a striker who is... Absolutely, keeping us um, above water with goals that he is kind of producing out of nothing because he's not getting the kind of service that a world-class striker like Pierre Emerick Aubameyang should get. Those are the things that make me worry about the top four. It's not just not just the way we play it at Old Trafford or anything like that. I just don't. I don't see. How it's going to get much better this season with the caveats of Bellerin and Tyranny and Holding coming back to, you know, immediately provide the the glue that binds us all together and turns us into an amazing team. I just don't see how it's not going to be just more of this week in, week out. And inevitably, when you don't create as many chances as you should, when you give up as many chances as we do, there'll be an equalization. In terms of results, maybe we're seeing it at the moment, but I just, I don't share your your optimism on this one. And I hope you're yeah. right.
1: Don't get me wrong. I hope you're right. No, I mean, the case you make is very good. Like, you know, to say I don't see, to say what I said, what did I say? I said I did, nothing I see makes me worry we won't go top four. I don't think that's fair or right. I think what I mean is I still think we're in with a very good shot. Let, let me let me put it like that. Okay. Uh you know, of course, I see, you know, every time a team concedes a goal, you see things, you're like, oh, no, that's not good. But I feel sorry for you, and not in a horrible way. I just feel like this is going to be horrible for you. <laughs> How I, I really do feel like that. Like, every game is going to be like, oh, no, we're still... Shit, this team, yeah, <laughs> and I don't know how you're going to survive talking about this team, writing about this team, because I sort of think a fundamental component of being a fan is is that kind of mad optimism that it might get better, or that like you know that you tomorrow is another game, yeah. Like but I, I feel I, like
2: mm, I want us to be better, and I want to, you know, I I look for the positives in what we do, I do try and i try and highlight them when i see them but i feel like they're sort of more individual than collective
1: yeah and i think most people feel like you do genuinely i really do think that most people feel like that and i think that you're you know you it will strike a chord definitely with a lot of listeners because i think but i've sort of got this bigger thing going on where i'm like is this it feels bigger. It feels very cultural to me. I I don't know. It, it feels like something to do with the fans and our relationship with the team and our relationship with what we want them to be. I think we're going through something quite weird as a club.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I I tend to agree with that because we, you know we haven't been used to change. But I think when Emery came in, there was genuine. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? People were kind of behind it because they were saying, yeah, they were going, okay. here's a guy who says he's going to do this, this and this. That would be great if he did that. Um, And he can make us more tactically astute in the big games. And I kind of see the weird, um, you know, this, this issue we had with with Arsene Wenger where we go to Old Trafford and play our own way and get hammered Mm. that wasn't nice I'm not saying that was nice and we have a manager who has gone there to get a draw and he's got a draw so why are we complaining about that you know I do see that side of things
0: Mm.
2: but I just it's like a a nagging—it's just there. It's sort of a thing in the pit of your stomach where you go, "This isn't. This isn't right," and this isn't right in the context of what I think we should be able to achieve this season. Not that I'm, you know, saying is—is is Emery the guy who's going to win us the title? No, he's never going to be that guy. But is he—is he the guy who is going to get us into the top four? And for a long part of last season, I thought that was the case. And then we blew it at the end of last season, and and we're we're kind of in a. Not quite a, a similar funk, but we're in a. We're just, I just don't. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced by what he's doing or how he's doing it, and I think, um, yeah, I'm I'm open to being convinced. Let me say that, but um, actually, uh, yeah, I I don't uh, know if that's. The I don't case know if actually. you
1: are. I don't no. know if you are. I think you've might. I think you've made your mind up, which is fine. Mm. And I think a lot of people have. But I think you have made your mind up, and it, and I think that inevitably, that informs how you perceive everything. Yeah, uh, and 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 I don't think the club will have made their mind up, um, and so it's going to be a slightly torturous wait. I suspect. <laughs> well, look, you know, if
2: we go on these nine games and we start playing good football and we win well, and we will, we win convincingly. You know, I'm on board. Oh no, with-
1: I'll be, will be sad. I'll be sad then. That'll be my turn. I'll be like, well, <laughs> oh, I'd prefer being the minority. <laughs> I, I mean, no, genuinely, like as a as a mate, I'm like, how are you going to enjoy this? Um. Like, it feels like you've fallen out of love with Arsenal. No, 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 no,
2: no, 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 no. That's not right. And, you know, that's the wrong approach. I haven't fallen out of love with Arsenal or football or anything like that. I just,
1: I feel... Do you love Arsenal? Do you remember Dennis Burkham said, do you love Arsenal, but do you only love Arsenal or do you only love Arsenal with trophies? Sometimes I feel like saying, do you love Arsenal or do you only love Arsenal with good football? I feel like I
2: can't connect.
1: That was good what I said then. It was, was good. good yeah.
2: But it's 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 not so much that. I just feel like I can't connect. And I want to. Because I look at the squad and I find things in it. I Like, I love Aubameyang. I love the emergence of Saka and Joe Willis. great. Right? I love that. I love that we've got Bellerin and Tierney coming in because I can see how two fullbacks will help us. I love that we've got a good goalkeeper. The centre of our defence remains a bit of a clusterfuck and, you know, that's a personal issue for me. But we've got Rob Holding coming back. Maybe he can do that. You know, I, I just find it hard to connect with what's happening. I want to. And it's not about like falling out of love with Arsenal, but it's, it's just an inability to to either understand or get behind what this manager is doing. It's like, it's like liking music, mm. loving music, and then <laughs> some guy comes along and gets on the piano and goes, <speaking> and you're going, what's that? What's that? Chaz or something it
1: sounds like. Yeah, yeah, of course. I understand the subjectivity within it. Mm. Uh, wh- among all the positives that you listed there, the young players, Aubameyang, mm. how highly do things like um, Raul, Edu, Pear, how highly do those things rank in the sort of list of positives? <sighs>
2: um i'm cautiously positive about that i mean i think we we look at the the behind the scenes stuff and and because it's new and because it's fresh and because it sort of had a this is like the second iteration of it that is, yeah. you know what i mean so the gazidis Mislintat Raoul raul trio didn't work so now we've gone a different direction and you know i think clearly murtisacker's a really smart bloke edu a uh, smart guy i he, I, I am that that gives me a kind of comfort blanket in a way because i read your i read your piece in the athletic mm. this morning where you're talking to mertesacker we're talking mertesacker's talking about you know what what do we what is the arsenal way mm. and this way is not what he considers the arsenal way right what we're doing right now is not what we, what he considers the arsenal way in terms of of the way that, uh, you know, he sees the team playing and being successful. Yeah. So Uh, I feel like if that Arsenal way is, you know, if there's a consensus among that, that executive committee, then I feel like if we're not seeing that, then they won't be slow to make a change.
1: Yeah. And I suppose where I'm going with it is to sort of say because I know a lot of fans kind of have made their minds up about Emery or are sort of very disenchanted with him. And if you are looking for hope or you are looking for optimism, you might as well put it in the people above and around him because they're going to be here longer than him. Almost whatever happens, Mm. even if he turns it round, they're probably going to be here longer than he is. And I think that Arsenal have really good people working there now and Perth certainly is one but I think there are others too and I know we've got high hopes for Edu and we don't necessarily know that much about him yet but those are Arsenal people and those are people that we can identify with we can believe in we can get on board with and even if you're not enjoying it under Emery even if it feels like the team is sort of stagnant and not progressing I do think in the last year two years we have made a lot of ground as a club and if if, if you're looking for somewhere to find optimism I would find optimism in that mm. but um, and part of that might be making a change you know and when that comes that will be their change and it won't be because Edith's change it will be theirs and that will be interesting Mm, it will this has been a pretty heavy uh, I think it's good though honestly because if I was listening to I was thinking about this I was like if I was listening you know I don't know. I, 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 think people, I think people will identify with it. Maybe I'll be wrong and we'll get loads of feedback being like, I stopped listening to that after 10 minutes. It was too depressing.
2: <laughs> Maybe so. Well, I hope they haven't. And thank you for sticking with us uh, through part one. We are going to take a break and we're going to come yeah. back with your questions
1: and more in We've part we We've got to talk two. about Nicolas Pepe, haven't we? We've had too many questions. We've so.
2: had too many questions. We definitely have to talk about Nicolas Pepe. So let's do that. We'll take a break. We'll be back after this.
0: If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
2: Welcome back to the ArsCast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer questions that you send to us on Twitter at Gunnerblog and at ArseBlog. Also on the ArseBlog Facebook page, Facebook.com forward slash ArseBlog, or is it the ArseBlog? I can't remember what my Facebook page is. It's no. the Arseblog the Arse Yeah, there you go. Phew. Uh, and also on the Arse Blog Patreon members Discord server, which you get access to if you are an Arse Blog member on Patreon. Before we get into the questions, just to remind you that our uh, mobile apps for iOS and for Android have been updated in the last little while. The Android app came out, and we've got a few little tweaks to make on that as well. Um, but one of the features of the apps is that you can log in with your Patreon credentials and get an ad free Arsblog app experience. Uh, so search for the Arsblog app in the uh, the Google Play Store and the App Store for iOS and you can get all Arsblog all the time on your mobile and you can log in with Patreon if you are a Patreon member. It costs just a fiver a month. Um, we have to start with uh, Pepe, I think, James. Mm -hmm. We've had millions and millions of questions about Pepe. Uh, This one from Macho Grande at uh, the Chief, who's at Macho underscore Grande 1. £72 million can buy you a lot of things, but it won't buy you time. How long until we have the Nicolas Pepe conversation? All left foot, lacking guile in the final third. Defenders are starting to show him out wide. And this is sort of tangential to that, I think. Um, It comes from the Discord, and it's from Liney, And he says, is the dwindling faith?" in Emery amongst fans, making it very difficult for us to appraise the quality of our players. Uh, and is it a coincidence that our only performer is the player with the simplest instruction, score goals?
1: <laughs> Maybe not. I mean, I think, you know, it's a difficult one to decipher where the blame should lie in the, in any individual performance. When can we have the Nicholas Pepe conversation? I mean, we're having it right now. We sort of have been having it for a couple of weeks, haven't we? We've been tiptoeing around it, Mm. certainly. There's been questions about him. I mean, I was struck by something. Did you have the Sky commentary last night, Gary Neville? Yes. He, When Manchester United brought on Fred, um, he was asked what he makes of Fred. And he said, well, he said, when you sign someone for 60 million, you expect them to be really good. And it was a sort of slightly withering comment. I thought, what about when you sign someone for like whatever it was? <laughs> 75. 72, I mean, yeah. 72. I, I um, I do think we have to give Pepe more time. You know, there's too much of a history of players not adapting particularly swiftly, particularly with Arsenal. I mean, Thierry Henry didn't score for seven games, wasn't it? Something like that. Robert Pires is always cited as an example. Even Dennis Bergkamp you know, had to wait a long time before really setting the world alight. But. Uh, I am a little bit concerned. I think when we signed him, I did say, I think we've overpaid. Um, and I'm sure we will have overpaid, almost sort of whatever he turns out to be. But yeah, he, he he's not looking good right now. And actually my solution, if it wasn't quite so soon, I'd be playing him on Thursday just to sort of try and get his confidence up in the Europa League. That would be my take on it. What about mm. you?
2: Yeah, look, logic tells you it's really, really early. He's only had, you know, a couple of months at the club and he needs and deserves more time. Absolutely. Um, it is what just like, your gut? My gut, uh, that's what my gut tells me as well. Okay. Um, but, I mean, I can accept the fact that he, he doesn't look like a player who... Uh, he doesn't look settled yet, does he? He doesn't quite look like a player who understands what... What he's supposed to do, and I, I, I do think there's something to that second question that that individual appraisals are very difficult when the team itself. Um, and we spent the first half of the show talking about how how poor the overall, the collective performances are. Mm. You know, I think if if Pepe was coming into a team that was settled, that had a defined style of play, that was actively trying to get the best out of him and his attacking partners and he still wasn't doing it, we could be a bit more worried, to be honest. But I think we're we're, we're a team that, that isn't playing particularly well anywhere, that finds it very, very difficult to to get the best out of our attacking players and, uh, you know, come back to the fact that in Aubameyang, we have a guy right at the very top of his game, you know, at the peak of his powers, you know, at exactly the right age to be able to kind of rise above that in a way. Whereas Pepe's 24, he's come into a new league, you know, I think those are mitigating factors for him. So, yeah, it's a little bit worrying that he's he's looking as lost as
1: he is. Um, but I think, uh, sorry, just to jump in, I think when I look at Pepe, I think that he needs someone to play off for me. And Aubameyang, for all his qualities, isn't really that kind of centre forward. Mm. Like I think if you had Pepe close to... I mean, people say we need a number 10 in there. Um, you know, be that Ceballos, be that Mesut Ozil. And I think that probably would help Pepe. But I think if you got Pepe close to someone like Alexandra Lacazette, I think he would actually look better because it's someone who he can sort of give and go with, you know? Yeah. Um, Someone who can hold the ball and and be a bit of a fulcrum for him to operate off. I think in Aubameyang and Pepe, you've kind of got two runners there, um, but without one who's sort of a natural Mm. supplier.
2: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a question um, so much as a statement from Tom Hall, who's at Tom Hall Travel, who says Pepe could do with Ozil playing for him. Um, and I can see the I can see the logic of that that he needs you know he's being asked to to kind of create his own chances rather than um, you know having somebody who can provide him with with balls into space um, you know we can use his his pace and his ability on the break um, like I I don't know what we're trying to do with Pepe exactly other than give him the ball out on the right hand side. And expect him to beat three or four players and score a wonder goal. That appears mm. to be as much as we're we're asking him to do. So, are we playing? Are we playing in a way which gets the best out of him? I'm not sure that we are. Um, so, I think it comes sure he's back been to that.
1: Especially bad, either. Um, I think he's sort of been bad relative to his price tag, uh, but I'm not sure he's been like really poor in any game I think you know he could have done he wasn't good he wasn't good at all against United but in other games he's kind of been fine it's just that fine doesn't feel like enough it seems to me yeah Um, and I think that's reasonable when you pay that much amount of money for somebody and increasingly players do settle quickly you know uh You know, who am I trying to think of? Someone like Sadio Mane, someone like Mo Salah. Yeah, but Mane had like Mane had a
2: few seasons in the Premier League though with with Southampton before he went to Liverpool. Salah had experience at um, Chelsea. At Chelsea, you know. Um, Yeah, true. So, I think it's it's not unreasonable to ask question marks about the fee and what we're getting for that at this moment in time. But I think those questions, um would be far more pointed if we're 6 months into the new season and it's still like this. You know?
1: Yeah. But equally I think sort of cons- as a consequence of that I don't think it's realistic to expect any one player to suddenly change uh, or improve this team. You know, if 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 it's not the responsibility of one player to look after their performance, I don't necessarily see that the introduction of one player is going to dramatically change it. I think it is a stylistic issue mm. um, but yeah look this is a good run of games for Pepe what do you think about that idea of mine of playing him in the Europa League do you think it's realistic or do you think it's no chance that's going to happen
2: uh, we're at home right so Liège, yeah. I would be tempted as well like I absolutely wouldn't be playing Aubameyang but I would be tempted to play, to play
1: Pepe um, even for an hour you know he didn't play the full game on Monday
2: yeah he did look um, like he was physically a bit off, I know he. It took a couple of heavy whacks. Um, one in particular, where it took him a while to get up, and he was sort of limping around a bit afterwards. So it depends physically what what mm. what he's like, but also equally, Bournemouth on Sunday could be seen as the kind of game where where he could spark
1: into into True. life. But
2: yeah, I mean, I think the sooner he starts to feel confident, the better.
1: The tricky thing with bringing him out of the team is. It's not an area, actually, where we've got loads of experienced options. You know, he's kind of the only experienced option, isn't he, mm. as, a, as a wide player? I think so. Yeah, I mean, Beyond it's Rhys
2: Nelson who would have to play,
1: Yeah, I guess. Saka, Martinelli, Smith-Rowe. Smith-Rowe, a, a clutch, of course, yeah. A clutch of exciting young players. But, um, you know, having sold a and Mikitarian, he is kind of the only experienced mm. wide player. And that's partly why he's... Playing every game you know I think Emery probably feels he needs him out there Yeah. but I don't know you know I feel like we're saying this about everyone but let's judge it at Christmas I mean I do think you've got to give him more time and I have seen flashes from him of ability it's not like I'm looking at it going he can't kick the ball straight do you know what I mean
2: yeah I think he's a good player playing badly rather than a bad player or anything like that Mm. you know I think he's just really not finding any form and he's in a team which makes it really difficult to do that as well.
1: And sometimes, uh, not to be a sort of harbinger of doom or anything, but it, sometimes it just doesn't work. You know, sometimes a player comes to a club and they don't settle for whatever reason. But mm. And it doesn't even necessarily make them a bad player on some occasions. Um I think he will. But, you know, I'm an optimist, guys. <laughs> don't trust me. <laughs> I'm, I'm an idiot. Um This question... It comes from Hexenio, and it sort of touches on the... slightly the ideological discussion we had earlier. Hexenio says on the Discord, would you replace Emery with a better pragmatist, like Allegri or Simeone? Um,
2: <sighs> The word better is interesting.
1: Mm. Because if it is better, then yes... You know? I think everyone would agree Simeone is a, a better, a better and more pragmatic manager than Emery. For example, if we use him as an example, yeah, yeah. Um, um, would that be, be Would that be sort of like subjectively better?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it probably would, but it depends what you want Arsenal to be and what you want, what kind of football you want the team to play. Um, you know. Yeah, why not? Why not? Go for it. <laughs> Go for it. I mean, it's not going to happen. Certainly, Simeone is not going to happen. Allegri, you know, is free and easy at this moment in time. Whether Arsenal are interested in him or or anything else remains you, you, like, to be I seen. Mean, but
1: when you talk about the manager, a lot of what accelerates people's desire to get rid of somebody is when there's the right candidate available. You know, we sort of saw it with. Was it Brendan Rodgers and then Jurgen Klopp coming in? Mm. Is Allegri a manager of the sort of calibre and standing and quality that makes you feel, do it, make the change, he's available now, he might not be in six months, kind of thing? Potentially. Potentially.
2: Mm. Um, I know we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that maybe for Arsenal to be a good attacking team they have to learn how to defend and i think allegri you know would bring some of that to to the team um
1: I yeah don't know. i mean that's an interesting point like if you got the foundations in place first could you then build on that mm. um it would be an interesting experiment uh, yeah it would be an interesting experiment but yeah. i'm not sure that sort of Allegri, clearly, though, he's a brilliant coach and has a fantastic record. I'm not sure he's sort of the right stylistic fit for where I think people want this team to go.
2: Yeah, kind of that's where I would be with it. But... Yeah, look, I don't want to dwell too much on the on the managerial situation because we did a lot of it sure. in, in part one. So here's one from Tony Kent at 2 nil down. He says, which was a bigger factor in Maitland-Niles being dropped? One, his form. Two, his comments about not being a defender. Three, Chambers form.
1: I don't think the comments will have been a big part of it, to be honest with you. Um, I'm not sure how much attention will be paid to that. And I think the reaction to that was a little bit Overblown, you know. I saw people saying, Maitland-Niles is ungrateful. He should be, you know, thankful to have a chance in the first team." You know, he was just being honest, I think, and saying, "Look, this is a position where I'm learning my trade. I'm struggling. I feel a bit out of my depth. Maybe I'm not. Get- I think the implication is also maybe I'm not getting the right support either from the team or the coaching staff." I think Chambers' form is actually the maybe the most determining thing. I mean, obviously, maitland has a torrid time against Villa, but Chambers has been so good since. Getting that chance in the side, that I think he earned that place, and uh, on balance, he probably deserves to keep it.
2: What yeah, I was, you know, I was thinking when he got booked last night. I was thinking, I kind of like if he has a if he has a hard time at right back, I would have had a difficult time afterwards pinning the the blame on him, if you like, not blame so much, but you know what I mean mm. that. We we've seen enough of Callum Chambers down the years at right back to know that it's not his best position. Um, But I thought he did well. I thought he did well, and some of his passing um, has been excellent in in the last few games. So I think probably Maitland-Niles' form, plus maybe a little bit of an injury, plus the comments, plus the suspension, you know... It's sort of opened the door a bit for Chambers to come in at right back, but that door will be open for Hector Bellerin in, in, in a week or two's time. You know, he'll be the guy uh, who's in there. So it depends what happens to Chambers after that. That'll be the interesting thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I saw Chambers at right back and feared the worst, I'll be honest, especially against Daniel James. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he coped cope really well with that booking. I think he deserves a chance in one of his two preferred positions, I have to say. I would really... I, I'm increasingly intrigued to see him in midfield. Um, I know people have their doubts about it, but mm. he, he did very well at Fulham in that position. I, I would be intrigued to see it, especially with so many question marks over Granit Xhaka. Uh, and, you know, although he had a difficult time at times at Old Trafford, I'm not sure Maitland-Niles, despite being significantly quicker would have done any better so uh, I'm impressed with Chambers' attitude every time he steps on the pitch he looks like someone who who no- maybe knows this is his last chance at Arsenal you know he's had two loans out mm. he's been brought back if he wants to stay and be an Arsenal player he's got to make a positive impression and so far he is doing that
2: yeah I agree I agree
1: um this was, this is from Paul Sausage on the Discord. And Paul says, I saw James want, went to watch Arsenal women's on Sunday. I went to their game last weekend. It was amazing. Shouldn't we all just stop with the men's and support the women's instead? Uh, men's and women's. Men's and
2: women's. Men's the and women's. women's
1: is, they... Uh, it was great I mean they are a really good team and you know when we talk about that thing of like what is the Arsenal way what is Arsenal football I know this is something Tim Stillman has covered extensively on Arsenal Blog News and do check out the Arsenal Women's Podcast as well but the football Joe tomorrow has got them playing is really easy on the eye and this weekend they were playing Brighton and credit to Brighton you know they were on the back foot for the majority of the game but they never sort of Broke from their principles. They were always trying to play out from the back, always trying to keep possession football. It was really entertaining, and I think my ticket was seven quid in advance. So, yeah, if you are losing some of the love for the men's game, <laughs> go and check out the women. We're really good. Give it a bash.
2: Yeah, look, they they they're playing very well, Um and uh, maybe Joe Montemurro is the is the guy. Maybe we should look there. Who knows? I mean.
1: No, there was a question about that. Was there, there? was a question about that. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, it, it doesn't really happen, does it, that coaches transfer from the women's to the men's game? But hmm. interesting. It'll be interesting to see. Um, let me have a look here. Um,
2: gosh, there's just a lot of questions. Okay, we're going to have to go there. We're going to have to go there. James Goiter says, does the Ozil situation make Emery's position untenable? He is wasting £350,000 a week by refusing to play him. Arsenal can't afford to throw that sort of money away right now. Um, I'm not quite sure um, I agree with that in terms of the money. Obviously, it's a big waste. But um, Shadi Awada, who's at Shadi AFC 14, says, Ozil left out again. Do you think Raul and Edu are okay with having your highest paid player not playing? Surely they discussed this with Emery.
1: I mean, I was going to say, can we have an Ozil amnesty today? Oh, okay. No, But we've brought it up now, so it would be... I know we've you know, done it to death, but it's just...
2: It's a talking uh, point, you know? And to be fair, Emery has made it a talking point.
1: He has, but in a way, nothing's changed. For me, nothing's changed in that we've known for a long time... Unai Emery doesn't want to pick Meza Urso in certain games, and most games it seems. <laughs> yeah, most games, most games. I saw was it Paul from Arsenal Vision um, tweeted last night saying Meza Urso has made uh, he, he had the amount of appearances that uh, Meza Urso has made in the last two seasons. I mean, it's more than you think. It's more than you think. But, yeah, I guess it's the nature of those appearances and who they're against. Uh, I really want to find this number. Sorry, I know that this is bad radio. but It's okay. it struck, uh It struck me. He might have deleted it. <laughs> he might have deleted it. Really? No, he wouldn't have done that. Oh, uh, adv- Oh, there you go. Mesut Ozil has made 72 appearances for Arsenal in the last two seasons, plus the start of this one you know, there's frozen out and this frozen out. 72 is plenty. Um, I think Daryl and Emery, Daryl and Edu know and concur. I have to say yes. I have to say yes. And I don't know. But, I, you know, I think there was a pretty concerted effort to to ship us all out of the club this summer. Um so I think they're on board in that regard. Uh, hmm. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're not. But uh, certainly Raul, because he predates her, you know, sort of here last season. I, I, I have the strong impression they must support that because this was happening last season and it didn't seem like an issue to them then. Yeah.
2: I mean, let's remember uh, back in January, there was a, a piece, wasn't there? David Ornstein did a piece where he said, Basically, that Emery has told Ozil it'd be better to find a new club. Yeah, um, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, nine months. So ago. We, we know that the the issue is ongoing. The the what what I'd say though is, as much as we can all say in our heart of hearts that Old Trafford away is not the kind of game that you would you would identify as optimal for getting the best out of mess at Ozil. That would be a reasonable thing to say.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't pick him, that's for sure.
2: I think that you can get away with a decision like that, like leaving him out of the squad altogether,
1: if you're producing... Draws more attention.
2: Yeah, A, that draws more attention, but B, if you're producing decent football and creating chances... You can, you can fully justify the decision not to use Mesut Ozil um, at all. Mm. But when you're not, it has people wondering, well, could it be much worse even with Ozil in the team? And yeah, I don't and think I, that's an unfair it's point not. to take. Um, the one game that, that Ozil did play in the Premier League this season was Watford away, and he helped create um one of the goals with a great pass to Maitland-Niles who crossed for Aubameyang. So that's what I think people will be wondering, you know, it's not necessarily let's get back on the Ozil train, but it's like, well, if in the absence of everything else, why the fuck not? At least have mm. him on the bench.
1: I suppose you know, in the same way that I said, I think you've made your mind up about Emery. I think I I've made my mind up about Erzul. I think for me, his kind of story at Arsenal is kind of done. You know, I, I feel like he he's not part of the plans, and I think there must be just cause. Like you, I I, I don't think Uno Emery is a lot of things. I don't think he's insane. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, there must be... And speaking to people around the club, I think there are sort of some attitude issues that lead to this exclusion. I don't think it's just a case of, like, I don't like his big eyes.
2: Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. But, I mean, it's just this weird situation where, you know, he's he's made him one of his five captains when he eventually got around I mean, to that figuring is mad, that out. Yeah. And, and then, you know, whatever you think about Ozil or whatever... Taking him off in the, the Carabao Cup game was a bit of a humiliation and I think unnecessarily so I don't agree so. with that,
1: by the way. I, I do. don't agree with I that. I do.
2: I just play the fucker. If you're not gonna play him at, like if you're not gonna play him against Manchester United, just pl- give him ninety minutes.
1: What's the problem? Maybe. I thought it was re- I thought it was really weird how that became a big thing. It was like Meza Els was coming off at seventy minutes. That happens that's happened to him his whole career. Yeah. I don't know. I think that that was really blown out of proportion for me. I mean, you know, maybe it was because of the way he... Maybe because people could see how despondent it made him. Um, But if he just jogged off, I don't think we would have reflected on it, really. Mm. Uh, but, But, you know... Anyway... Uh,
2: Yeah, we're not getting any clarity on this one beyond what we already know. Well, I think that's the
1: issue, isn't it? It is is the lack of clarity. It's like, if you're going to draw a line, if you're going to be like, this guy's not really part of the plans. The problem is he is part of the plans, but in the most... I mean, Emery will use him. He'll play Thursday. He might even play Sunday. Like, there are games where he will use him, but for him, there's a massive distinction between what he determines an Urzel game and what he doesn't. And I think the fact that he played against Watford away from home probably tells you that he didn't think Watford were going to be much good. Um, mm. Well,
2: uh, yeah, he didn't watch Watford last year when we played them, no? Well, With exactly. ten Against 10 men and we were, I don't know.
1: I mean, the, the Ozil thing is, I think, sort of, it is. It is a. There is a real relationship, isn't there, between how you feel about the manager and how you feel about Mesut Özil. I think there's a correlation there, and with some just cause, you know. If my take on Özil is that Özil's got problems of motivation, and those problems don't come from things that are Emery's fault. So, the fact that Mesut Özil's on 350 grand a week, the fact he's already won the World Cup the fact that he had the Germany fallout and how much that must have affected him psychologically, they have essentially demotivated him as a player. That's not Emery's fault. But what you have to say is, it's not a problem that Emery's been able to fix.
2: Yeah, could you not argue that that part of the manager's job is not just you know the team, but individual man management and maybe finding a way... You know, look, maybe it's pissing in the wind if a guy is completely demotivated or whatever. And if he's, you know, if he's being an ass on the training ground, which I think we heard reports of last season that there were issues on the training ground and what have you, that that hasn't been the case this season. We haven't had those little leaks about um, Mm -hmm. storming off and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, And, you know, he had a good preseason, you know. He was positive. Yeah. during preseason, obviously that really unfortunate uh, thing with himself and Kolasinac has, has given him a, either given him some bigger issues to contend with than we realise, or given Emery a chance t- to sort of do what he wants to do with Ozil anyway.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's it. I think it's not Ozil, it's not Emery's fault that became demotivated it is Emery's fault that he's not been able to change that and he's not been able to light a fire under him Uh, and who knows how difficult that task is but that is part of management isn't it I think it's really interesting by the way that we have someone called a coach because it strikes me that Emery is not a good manager Uh, yeah that just hit me the other day I was like he's the head coach But I I don't rate him as a manager of people.
2: No, I don't think that would be considered his strength. Yeah. Um, And the things that we were thinking were his strengths aren't as strong as we thought they were either.
1: That's absolutely true. Mm. Um, All right, we did do Mesut Ozil. I hope you're all happy now. (laughs) Uh, I look forward to my hate mail yeah so doctor uh, we've got a question from a doctor Andrew an actual doctor I hope it's yeah. not medical advice because it's about magpies no it's not <laughs> <laughs> um, Dr. Rajpal Bra DPT don't know what DPT stands for Um, should we have a guess Dr. Doctor- Dr. Doctor, doctor
2: pretty Tummy
1: Nice. Uh, He's a plastic (laughs) surgeon who works exclusively (laughs) on the stomach area. Uh, And Dr. Bra says, how do you balance playing a number 10, e.g. Sabayos or Ozil, behind the front three, while also protecting the back four, who routinely get exposed when all three midfield aren't playing deeper? And then he's just some options is it Terrera as an exclusive deep pivot? Is it a double pivot? Is it don't press yeah. as high? Or is it something else?
2: It's a double pivot.
1: Yeah. So, what we had yesterday, I think what it was supposed to be was Shaka deepest yeah. with Terrera and Gunduzi ahead. Yes. That's what it was supposed to be.
2: And did you look at the heat maps and the average position maps? I haven't seen those now. Right. Because Shaka is Gunduzi despite the fact he was all over the pitch, his average position is deeper than Xhaka. Right. Uh, Whether that's because he's back defending or because he's looking to pick the ball up from the defence, you know, I can't say exactly. Torreira was closer to Pepe um, further up the field than he was anywhere near Xhaka or Gendouzi. So the issues of midfield are 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 there uh, and they're obvious um, in terms of how we fail to control football games I think a double pivot if it were me mm. I would play Guindouzi and Torreira as a double pivot and I would play I would play somebody who can connect with our front three um, whether it was Ceballos or Ozil or even Joe Willock that's my pick that is something that I would do because I feel like we have so much evidence that what we're trying to do in midfield doesn't work, but we keep trying to do it mm. without it working. At what point do we have to try something different and say, maybe this could help? But Emery is very wedded to Xhaka in that deep-lying position, isn't he? Like, he
1: loves him there. He loves him there. Loves even though there's discont- a bit of Xhaka. A weird thing happening where Torreira sorry Guendouzi is the guy who goes and picks the ball up off the back four mm. so is in that position but he's not even really tasked with that job um, I agree a double pivot is the way forward I think Torreira and Ganduzi is the right combination and I I would go for Joe Willock at the... Well, I would vary it game by game. I think at home sometimes you could play an Ozil or you could play a Ceballos. But I think there's something about Joe Willock's... uh, Sort of his verticality, his ability to genuinely get forward into the box and run beyond the striker that I really like. And when we have clicked in the Cups, and I'm thinking of the Frankfurt game... It's been when we've got runners up into the penalty box in numbers. And I think he is uh, an option who enables you to do that. Mm. I, I really like Joe Willock. I know that some people aren't convinced by his technical quality, but I, I think he's great. Um, and that just seems like so much more of a dynamic trio yeah. than than the other options. Because I think we have to be honest, Sabios, so you know, he's kind of flat to deceive a bit as well. I know we're talking about Pepe yeah. and... Has he hit the ground running? But I think you can look at Sabas as well and say, well, it's not quite working out for him at the moment.
2: No, he had the Burnley performance and that's kind of he's it. He's riding
1: on the back of that a little bit.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, and that um, was sort of early in the season when optimism was
1: high and uh, and what have you. So, and, and I'm not sure, he just on him, I'm not sure he is a guy who is going to get beyond the striker. I'm not sure that's his game. I think he's someone who is happier a little bit deeper. So um, I almost think of him as kind of a Maybe again, Doze alternative in terms of someone who can play the ball from deep. But yeah, I, I um, I think we've got to try something else. We've got to, yeah. And I mean, we've not touched on the captaincy announcement to, today, but it will be interesting to see, won't it, how much of a bearing that has on the what, first eleven selection.
2: Uh, what what did you make of it? Were you in any way surprised by? N-
1: no, I, I, I almost think that the criticism of Shaka kind of. Compa- uh, sort of almost made Emery make the decision he made, if that makes any sense. Like, it, in the same way that I think he kept Urzel in there so as to not take Meza Urzel out, I almost felt that th- this player was so under fire that to not give the armband to the guy who's worn the armband all season would have been really hanging out Shaka out to dry. And I know there are fans who were ready to see him hang out to dry, but maybe within the group, Emery just didn't think that was the right thing.
2: Do you feel like the, the story about the players voting gave Emery a bit of a cushion in terms of making that decision?
1: I don't the, know what to where, think about it, because the way it came out, it wasn't via Emery. Rob Holding yeah. sort of let it slip in, in the mix zone. And everyone in the press room was pretty taken aback, to be honest, when we first heard it, because it sounded when you first hear it, I think your reaction is that sounds a little bit absurd um I think there is a, an argument for doing it the concern i mean I know this book's been made a million times is that it just took so long to make that decision mm. you know if he was if he wanted chakra as as a captain, why didn't he just say so in june july yeah
2: uh, yeah i mean to me it 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 the whole thing um sort of contributes to the way I'm feeling about Emory in a way it's part of it you know it's not just one thing it's all the various um, bits and pieces that are going on and it felt to me like a manager who um, has problems with decision making he prevaricates he dithers and yeah look it wasn't really a surprise that he gave it to Xhaka all things considered but um,
1: I also think it doesn't massively matter Personally, it doesn't matter that much to me. I,
2: well, I, only I, I, if it feeds into team selection, and if you, yeah. if you, you know, he does have a bit of an out in that. Um, you know, there are there are five there are captains, five. and you can, you can always have a captain on the pitch. But <clears throat> it also felt a bit like he was throwing his weight behind Jack as a starter as well for me. So, um.
1: yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, I've just said he's, I don't think he's a good manager, but to a certain extent, he's backing his player there, and and in the situation where he's getting booed off by his own fans I can kind of understand that but I hope it doesn't influence team selection too much I don't think it will because I feel like he's going to pick Jacket anyway yeah well what I mean if if he's going to pick him it's going to be because he wants to pick him for tactical reasons not because he's captain Um, Mm. because there were times last season where each of the five captains was you know, out of favour for for different reasons, really, and he didn't have much compunction about dropping them.
0: Mm.
1: You know, Check, Ra even Ramsey. I forget who the others were. Because was yeah. one, obviously, and then whoever else it was. But I am, um, yeah. I, I, uh, it's. The captaincy thing, what I do think about it is it's interesting that we've got five captains and I, I'm really happy for some of those names on that list. I really am. Lacazette, Bellerin, Bamiang I'm chuffed to see those guys there. But I also think you wouldn't necessarily look at them and go captain. And it's kind of interesting that we've got five, but none of them are sort of obvious. And that's why we're in this position, isn't it? We don't have yeah. the obvious. You know, think of the great Arsenal teams... <clears throat> Think of the Invincibles, say, and think of the players who weren't captain. You know, think of Sol Campbell, you know, or Lauren or Jumberg or Burkamp, Omri. You know, these players weren't the captain of that team, but they still could show leadership and character. And and it's unfortunately those qualities we don't necessarily have enough of.
2: Yeah, look, it's been done to death, uh, much like many of the things we've been talking about. Uh, Very quickly, then, before we go, let's pick a team for
1: um, Thursday. For Thursday. Okay. Martinez. Uh, Martinez, yeah. Yeah. Congratulations to him on his international call up as well. Oh, very good, yeah. Um, I think we might see Bellerin. Yes, I think we will as well. I think we will and I guess we'll see Kieran Tierney.
2: Do I I have a doubt about that to be honest because there was no Kieran Tierney last night he didn't play for the under 23s. Um neither he or holding played for the under 23s when Bellerin did so I got mm. I, my my read of that obviously was that he was going to be involved in the squad for the United game. And he wasn't even in the squad, so I wonder if perhaps he might have suffered a, a little bit of an injury or, or something, Maybe. or had a reaction to to training or a you know a
0: game. The only thing
1: I'd say is we had exactly this with Rob Holding when you know he was ta- he missed an under twenty three game, he was taken to Frankfurt, and then he wasn't involved. Yeah, and but he, he s- was
2: in the squad. You know, he was there as the nineteenth man or whatever. Mm, mm.
1: I've yeah. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. If I, if he's fit, do you think he'll start him, or do you think he'd save him for Bournemouth?
2: If he's fit, I think he he'll probably start him, because I, you know I, it's going to take him a while to <coughs> to get back into uh, full fitness. So a game like Liège would be a good time to
1: to give him a run. If he's fit, I think he would start him. Yeah. If if he's not fit, who are we looking at there? Because we've got the fullback. So I think Ashley Maitland Niles will play at right back. Mm. You would think. Or but he could play at left-back, Yeah, he could play at left-back.
2: That's true. He has played there before, so he could definitely he could definitely play there. Midfield,
1: Willock. Bowler as well, who I think, plays at left-back. Uh, midfield, uh, centre-halves. Do we do centre-halves? <coughs> Chambers and Holding, will it be? It'll be Mustafi and Holding, I'd say. Ah, yes. Chambers has been promoted, hasn't he? Mustafi and Holding. Mm. Um, midfield. Well, you've got Joe Willock in there, that's for sure. Torreira. Do you think Torreira will play? Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah, Torreira and and S- S- Sibaios, I guess. Yep. Yeah. And Martinelli. Martinelli up top, certainly after his Carabao performance. Mesedozo. What if oh, he... we didn't mention Mesedozo? What if he doesn't play Mesedozo? So I think Mesedozo will play. So I I, um, I think I named too many midfielders, probably. I think Urza will play. I think uh, Nelson will play, and I guess Smith Rowe will play mm. on the right. So then it will be two in midfield. I think it might be Subiós and Willock, which isn't very defensive, but mm. given that Torreira started at Old Trafford, I think that might be what we see.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Again. It should be
1: enough. Whatever we, whatever it is, you know what I mean.
2: Yeah. For sure for sure Um, uh, and you know give these kids a chance Uh, in the Europa League we don't need to see we don't need to see oh hang on I've just got a message here from Andrew Allen which says doing Tierney so what does that mean what
1: the he's he's been killed Uh, you're right Kieran Tierney suffered an injury setback
2: oh oh that's not good
1: pulled out of the Scotland squad
2: um okay that's a blow that's not great
1: Um, Hmm. so yes we will see you were right your hunch was right right the optimist was wrong (laughs) Kieran Tierney is dead embrace (laughs) the darkness (laughs) (laughs) yeah right very much like that okay well look hopefully it's
2: nothing too uh, significant um, but no doubt there'll be an injury update from the uh, from the official site um, yes. As as it is a late game on uh, Thursday, we're going to do an Arscast Extra on Friday. Correct. So we'll have, uh, hopefully, lots of positive things to talk about. Hopefully, both our glasses can be um, more full than empty. Well, um, so
1: far, the Cups have been good fun. They have. I would say. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed that Carabao game. Um, so let's hope for something a bit like that. That'd that
2: be would nice. be great. That would be great. Sort of a bit of... Uh, An injection of enjoyment and... A a palate cleanser. palate cleanser, exactly, before we face uh, Bournemouth at the weekend. All right, well, look, we better leave it there. As ever, folks, thank you very much indeed for listening. Thank you for uh, subscribing, for leaving reviews on iTunes, and thank you for supporting everything that we do on Patreon as well. We really do appreciate it. We'll catch you on the next one.
1: Bye-bye.